0: A little humid in here this morning saw some of you waving your fans so it's, when it's in that mid mid what early mid 70s early uh, low 70s it's hard to get the air to get going right because it's not quite hot enough but it's humid enough to make you sweat so we'll get through it though all right alright if you open up your Bibles to the letter to the Ephesians we'll continue our study that we began last week in Ephesians chapter 1 and by the way if you haven't noticed uh, next week will be our charge weekend, so Brother Bruce McClarty will be here to speak to us on Friday, Saturday, and all of our sessions on Sunday, so he will be speaking in class time next Sunday, so we won't be having a regular Bible class, but uh, we'll be hearing Brother McLarty, who who's the former uh, president of Harding University, he now lives in Cookville, I believe, Cookville, Tennessee, and uh, he's a great speaker, so many of you have heard him before, he's been here before, actually, um, so uh, and heard him speak, so he's a great speaker. I'm looking forward to that. So if you haven't put that on your calendar, be sure to do that, Friday, Saturday Friday, Saturday nights and Sunday. And I think we're having a potluck on Sunday, right? Yes, in between services, so be ready for that. All right, well, as suggested in our previous lesson, the theme of Ephesians is the believer's riches in Christ. Paul starts right off talking about the riches that we have as Christians, the riches we are, are blessed with in being in Christ. Not talking about material wealth, not talking about material blessings, we're talking about the things that we gain, the, the, the spiritual blessings that we receive being in Christ, and perhaps things that we don't necessarily understand or know, or, or things that are occurring in that spiritual realm that we may not be able to actually see, but we understand these things are going on, right? After a salutation in the first couple of verses there, Paul begins to talk about these riches and, and these riches that we have in Christ. He goes through a doxology there, which actually goes from about verses four, 3 or 4 to 14. And he talks about the pos- possessions that we have, the spiritual possessions that we, we have, the, the riches that we have as Christians. First of all, the blessings involving the Father, and then the blessings that we have involving the Son, and then the blessings we have involving the Holy Spirit, the great trinity, the God, Godhead, the three-in-one, right? The, the one God and three different persons, different personalities, Father. So we, we can read about this from Paul, and uh, we can appreciate how we are blessed spiritually in Christ. So let's begin in verse 3 and just read what he says there in Ephesians chapter 1. Verse 3 says... Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. In Him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of His glory." All right, this is Paul's doxology, you might say, his monologue, his, his opening statement, you might say, regarding those who are in Ephesus, the, the brethren, the, the, the ones that have been saved, the ones who believe, and he says the chosen, the ones that have been chosen in him. Interesting, interesting words he uses here, right? He's going to talk about the way they have been chosen for a purpose, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. In in the the Christendom world, right, we have a lot of different views on the way he describes these things, being chosen, being elected, being predestined. And there's a lot of folks that'll say, God has chosen the ones that are to be saved. If you're not one of the chosen, you have no hope, right? And there's a lot of that going around. First of all, let's look at that term chosen. And I want you to keep in mind while we're talking about this, we're gonna go through this a little bit, but keep in mind the phrase, in him. I said that very se- several times in that passage of 10 verses, right? In him, in Christ, in Jesus, in Christ Jesus. Over and over and over, he keeps mentioning that. Defining the term chosen. What, what are we talking about there when we uh, use the word chosen? Well, it comes from the Greek, um, eklegomai. I think I pronounced that right. And it just means to pick out, to choose, to pick and choose from one's To pick and choose out from oneself, right? Like when you were a kid and you were playing kickball and you picked teams, right? You were chosen to be on a team. And if you were the last one to be chosen, that wasn't good, right? Probably some of you were in that situation, right? Yeah, I know. I was too. You didn't want to be the last one chosen. Or maybe you did. Maybe you are ready to take it out on somebody, a little revenge there. I don't know. Anyways, we understand that, right? We understand being picked out, being chosen for a specific purpose, right? But notice what he says there. He says, you were chosen at what time? Before the foundation of the world. Before the world was ever created, God made his choice and election. Just as with Christ Jesus. Turn over to 1 Peter real quick, and let's read something from 1 Peter chapter 2. In 1 Peter, he's talking about Christ Jesus, and let's begin uh, in verse nine. And I want you to notice who he's talking about here. He says, but you are a chosen generation. He's talking about Christians, not a Christian, not an individual Christian. He's talking about the church. He says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Wait a minute, are they actually a nation, the church, well, no, it's, it's all believers in the world, right? That is what he's calling a nation, a holy nation here, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but now have attained mercy. Interesting comment there. Then turn over to verse uh, 18. He says, servants be submissive, to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable if because of conscience toward God one endures grief, suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? But when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because God Christ also suffered for us, having an example that you should follow his steps, who committed no sin, and nor was the sea found in his mouth so what we have here Paul is talking Peter is talking about Christians being a chosen people where else do we read about God choosing people the Old Testament right God chose a certain race of people who were they remember Israelites right the Jews yes so In that same sense, he's saying you are a chosen people, right? We have that background to help us understand that a little bit, right? Those who are in the kingdom now are his chosen people, chosen group. I'm telling you that to get to a point in a little bit, but that's what I want you to think about there. Who are the objects of this choice, of course? Well, as I mentioned before, there are many today that would say that we are individually chosen by God, all right? And you've heard of Calvinism, right? John Calvin, the French theologian that lived in the early 1500s, who basically said his whole theology was that you are chosen, you were born into total depravity, you're elected unconditionally, no matter how you are, if you're the lowest heathen in the world, if God chooses you, you have no option. You're elected. And limited atonement, meaning Christ only died for those who he chose, Unconditional, uh, the last one, the, the, the I, irresistible grace. In other words, you can't resist it. If he chooses you, you're going to come to him. And of course, the last one, the pers- uh, perseverance of the saints. The TULIP acronym, uh, acronym there you might think of. <coughs> that was, That's Calvinism in, in a nutshell, you might say. What Calvin was saying was, God chose those before the foundation of the world who would be saved. But is that really true from scripture what he would say is dependent uh, the you are saved dependent solely on God's gracious and mysterious will without any foreknowledge of good or evil as the point of those being selected in other words even if you didn't know the difference in good and evil even if you're the greatest heathen in the world God chooses you you're going to be saved right interesting concept right it's unconditional it's final in other words you can't backslide If you're chosen by God, you're you're saved. Period. Perseverance of the saints. Once saved, always saved. I'm sure you've heard that phrase, right? That's the point of Calvinism. That's very prevalent in Christendom today, right? You'll see that on TV. You'll hear that preached if you watch any TV preachers. That's usually what you hear. But you do have other views. And the other views that I I tend to agree with a little bit more. in your, in your outline there, he talks about the Arminian belief, uh, which you may not have heard of that word before. Uh, that's based on Jacobus Arminius, who lived in the late 1500s. He was a Dutch theologian who studied at Leiden University in, in the Netherlands and became a pastor or a preacher in Amsterdam for a while. And he refuted the tenets of Calvinism, saying that we are not chosen as For salvation, it's not unconditional. And he said that basically God uh, doesn't, uh, Jesus did not die for just the elect. He died for everyone, but those only who decide to believe and obey. In other words, he's saying it was up to the person's will whether they were going to be saved or not. Their free will to choose the salvation that God provided for them, the grace. That God provided them. You might say that Arminius, our, our, Jacobus Arminius probably said, though, that God uh, knew who was going to be saved, of course. And he's saying it's not that he elected you, you still had free will, but God, uh, God Jesus came and died for all. It was not limited, it was not unconditional. And of course, he also said you could fall away. So he didn't agree with the tenets of the tulip, the tenets of Calvinism, right? Paul simply says this, he chose us in him. Now, what does that mean exactly? And that's the point I want to make, in him. He's continually saying that, continually talking about and he says he chose us. He didn't say he chose each of us or individuals, he chose us, which sounds more like, a plural uh, view, right? Sounds more like a group. Sounds more like more than just one person. General and not particular. Corporate and not individual. In other words, the body of Christ, the church as a whole, which God chose for His divine and gracious purposes, He planned to carry out in Christ, in Him. So that's the point. You see that point he's making there? It's not so much that people were elected or people were chosen. It's in Christ. You've got to be in Christ. That's the point he's making. All that while, um, and that while in the corporate sense, the choice is unconditional and final, and as individuals, we have to be diligent to make our calling and election sure. In 2 Peter, we read that. Peter tells them, continue to make your election sure, right? Just as Israel had been chosen by God to receive his blessings, individually, they still had to follow God's law. They still had to obey. Did any of the people of Israel ever be, get punished for disobedience? Oh yeah, happened a lot. So you see, it doesn't mean that the whole nation of Israel was chosen to be saved. Remember what happened with the earth when Kor rebelled against Moses? Open up, swallow them up. There was judgment on them individually. It did not mean that they were saved just because they were part of the nation of Israel. In the same sense, we are not chosen by God to be saved. As I read there in 1 Peter, you are part of a nation of Christians, you are part of a group, a church of Christians who believe, but that doesn't mean every one of you in here are automatically gonna be saved. You still have to make sure your election is sure. Now, don't get me wrong and think, how am I ever gonna know I'm, I'm, I'm saved? Of course you can know you're saved. <coughs> you're walking in the light. You're continuing, you have that mindset, you have that heart, you have that love for God, that's um, spiritual, uh, constant spiritual, I call it constant spiritual repentance, You're constantly in an um, attitude of trying to be like Christ, trying to live a life like him. You're not going to be perfect. You're not going to live every day just like Christ. You're going to sin. But you have that mindset, that that will to serve him, that will to serve in the kingdom, that love for him that he died for you. And that grace constantly, his blood through that grace constantly washes us daily as we walk. Individually, the Israelites had to be obedient, had to walk according to what God wanted. So, if that's true, that we can individually uh, sin and fall away, what, what's the point of all this? What's the purpose of this choice? What, what's he talking about when he says he chose us in him? Well, as we've talked about many times, we have been sanctified. All right, that's the big word meaning we've been set apart. We've been appointed to have good works through obedience, through our love for him and for the world, that we should be holy with, and without blame before him in love. Now think about that for a minute. If When you talk to people outside the church and uh, you say, well, why don't you go to church? Well, eh, just a bunch of hypocrites there, right? You know, you hear that, right? And that's how a lot of people in the world look at Christians as just a bunch of hypocrites because they see them, you know, do something wrong or, or, or perhaps they make mistakes that don't look like something a Christian ought to do. But as Christians, we're constantly growing, we're constantly loving. It's not so much about trying not to sin. It's that love for God and living like Christ, right? As that continues to manifest itself in our lives, sin goes away. Yeah, we're hypocrites, every one of us, because we sin, right, in that sense. But when we're trying to strive, when we're trying to be like Christ, I wouldn't say that we're a hypocrite. I would say we're simply human beings, imperfect, trying to be disciples of Christ. And that's the difference there. We are chosen to be holy and without blame before Him in love. The goal of God's choice in eternity was to produce a people in Christ Jesus who would be set apart for a special purpose, without blame, and in love, walking before God in a sphere of love. Turn over to chapter 5 there of Ephesians, and let's see what we can read there in the first couple of verses. <clears throat> Verse 1, he says, Therefore, be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God for sweet-smelling aroma. I think that's the key, right? We are in Christ, we're walking in love just as He loved us, right? He's the only one who was perfect. He was the only one who could live on earth without sin, but yet He died for our sin. That's love, right? That is absolute perfect love. And in that same sense, that's how we are to be. Set apart holy. Walking in love doesn't mean we're perfect, doesn't mean we're not going to sin. But when we're walking in that love, walking in the spirit, walking in the light, we're constantly washed in his blood. And by that way, we can know that we are saved. So in Christ, we are blessed to be God's chosen people. (laughs) How God was able to carry out the purpose of his choice when all he had to work with was sinners is an interesting concept, isn't it? I mean, how's God supposed to do that? How's he supposed to carry out his will for the world when we're all have fallen? We'll look at that a little bit in the next couple of lessons in those next few verses. But we have to know that in Christ Jesus, we have been something else. Notice there in verse 5, he says, in verse 5 of chapter 1, he says, Let's go back to verse 4, actually. he says, Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace, by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. (coughs) Who's the subject of being predestined here? Well, first of all, predestined simply means... uh, something that is predetermined, right? Something that's been decided beforehand. So what is it that God predestined beforehand or decided beforehand? Who is it that God predetermined? Who's the subject of his predestination? Well, as I've already mentioned, I don't believe that each individual is chosen for salvation. And I think that can be greatly refuted in the scripture and I keep harping on the chosen us in him, referring to the group, referring to the whole, referring to the general rather than a particular. How many of you have a Johnson's People's New Testament? I would think a lot of you do. We used to give those out when people left, so I guess they wouldn't be here anymore, but that's what Johnson said. He said, it's the whole, it's the general that he's talking about here, not anything in particular. He's talking to the group, he's talking to the church, he's talking to those who are of that chosen nation, similar to Israel. We are adopted as sons, quoting Johnson again, God has ordained that we, the church of Jesus Christ, should be adopted as his children. Did you know that when you became a Christian, you became a child of God? You've probably heard that, but have you ever thought about that? We weren't born physically, of God, although we're born again through our belief and through the Spirit, but we are children of God, adopted sons of God, right? Because we are Christians. The predestination refers primarily to what God has done for the saved people. Election seems to refer to people, while predestination refers to the purpose. So, what is Paul revealing here that's been predetermined beforehand? Would it be that we are predetermined to be adopted into the family of God? Perhaps that's what he's really saying, and I think that's true. <coughs> the basis of his predestination is what? Why did he do this? Why is he saying these words? Why is he using these phrases to say that God, uh, we've chosen, he's chosen us and him to be predetermined, predestination, predestined, because of why, look at verse nine. He says, having made known to us the mysteries, will, according to his good pleasure. He wanted to do it. That's why he did it. Makes me think of that old commercial with Yogi Bear in it, remember that, on <laughs> the Affleck commercial? When you need the money, that's when you really need it, so that's why you gotta have it. What? We don't fully understand that, right? <laughs> but it was according to his will. That's simply it, his pleasure. That's what he decided before the foundation of the world, that those who obeyed the gospel would be his chosen people to carry out his work on the earth. That's it. That's simply his will. That's what Paul says here, his own pleasure. He decided to do it. He wanted to do it, and he did it. His divine will made it possible. What's our reaction to be to that? How should we look at that, right? Should, Should we be praising God for that? Well, yeah. He created you. And then you believed in Him. You understood that love that He had for you, that He'd send His only Son. You believed, you had faith it caused you to do something. Because of his grace, you repented, right? You were willing to confess his name to all the world, right? And whatever he commanded you to do, including be immersed in a watery grave, you did it. The world would look at you and say, you're stupid, that's silly. But you're part of a chosen nation that was predetermined before the foundation of the world. Doesn't mean you were chosen by him to be saved, no matter what, no matter what kind of condition, whether you wanted to or not. You chose it on your free will that he gave you when he created you to choose him. And I know you've probably heard it before, but think about what that's really like. You know, if we're all just elected and just chosen by him with no choice, what is that? You've heard that before. We're just a bunch of robots, right? Why, why would he create us and just choose the ones he wants? Yes, sir, Brother Bob. Yes, sir. Thank you, Bob. Yes, yes, sir. We can experience that joy because of our choice. Very good point. If he... You you can kind of reason it out. I know you've all thought about it before and tried to reason it out in your mind, but if he chose those who are going to be saved and those who are not, then what's the point in even creating us, right? Um... It's a hard one to describe, right? It's hard to understand how, that, how people can even think that, but that is prevalent in our, in our world, right? In Christendom and, and, and those who say, say they're believers, right? Many say, I was chosen by God. Well, and I would say, no, you believed on him. So you chose it. Well, no, I was chosen. I couldn't, I couldn't help myself. Uh, well, did you? Believe and and change your life. Well, yeah, I, I changed my life. Okay, is that because he chose you or because you decided in your mind and heart to do it? Well, I decided, but he chose me. You can go around and around with that, right? You can go around in circles, right? The point being is, if everyone, no one had free will, what's the point in creating us, right? He loved us, and we have to love him back. That's how it works. He wants us to be true children he wants to be our father he wants us as as his children that he can guide us lead us and what else through what we do for him he's glorified we've talked about that before why were you created for good works to glorify god yes sir That's right. and you're adopted as sons because of your choice to be baptized into him in Christ, yes sir very good point, point. and we talked about that Romans, Romans 6, we are raised again in newness of life, buried with him in baptism, raised in newness of life and Galatians 3 tells us we are baptized into Christ, as you just mentioned that's where the blessings are that's where the chosen people are in Christ. Not that we were chosen for salvation specifically without our choice, but we chose to be in Christ. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. That's right. He wants all to come to repentance. Absolutely. And if you think about it, what's the most famous verse we all know? We 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 quoted it as children, John 3:16. For God so loved the world, right? Not the chosen people, not the ones he predetermined to be saved. He loved the world. And those who believe on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So that concept has never made any sense to me. Made any sense. I've had discussions with Calvinists who would simply say, Well, you still have free will even though God chose you. And I'm going, how? (laughs) How can you have free will if God chose it for you? I don't understand that. And they never explain it. They just say, yeah, you have free will because the Bible says you have free will. Okay, well, how can you have free will if God chose you? Well, you have free will because the Bible said so. So anyways, that's another circular argument that goes around and around. (laughs) The point being here is to understand this when you look at the other verses This is a corporate statement. It's not an individual statement. And believe me, theologians have been debating this for hundreds of years. I just mentioned Calvin, Arminius, uh, there have been many over over the years that have debated the idea of predestination and being, and, uh, being chosen. Well, he goes on to say, what should be our reaction for all this? And of course, it's to praise God for His grace, right? His graciousness, His love for us, that we have the opportunity to be with Him in eternity. He says in verse 6, to be accepted by God in the Beloved. As emphasized in verse 3 and throughout those other verses of the doxology, all these blessings are in and by Christ Jesus. Just as Brother Havard said, we have to be in Him. That's where the theme takes place. All these riches, these blessings we have in Christ Jesus are in him. God chose us in him. In other words, those who believed. God predestined us to adoption as sons by Christ Jesus in him. That's how we were predetermined. God has made us accepted in the beloved. Who's the beloved? Christ Jesus in him all those verses are referring to being in christ not that we were chosen for salvation not that we were predetermined to be saved what he predetermined was christ jesus before the foundation of the world he determined that those who would be saved would be in christ jesus he predetermined christ to come in the world therefore it's by our being in christ that we are privileged to be highly favored by god and showered by his wonderful blessings. So, what should our reaction be? We should praise him for his glorious grace. Go back to verse 6 there and see what he says. To the praise of the glorious grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Offering such praise is a form of a spiritual sacrifice by which we can say thank you. Hebrews 13 tells us that. In other words, what he predestined was a way for men to be saved. He he knew that before the foundation of the world that he would send his son to die for those who needed to be saved. Not that he chose specific individuals to be saved. Not that he predestined certain people to be saved. He predestined the work that would be, needed to, carry, be uh, that needed to be carried out in Christ Jesus. That's what was predetermined. That was what was chosen ahead of time. He knew this was gonna happen. You think back to the beginning of time, right? Before Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, did man need salvation? You ever ponder that question? I would dare to say no. Garden of Eden was a perfect place. God talked with them daily. He was in fellowship with them daily, right? They didn't think it was a big deal for God to speak to them directly. When Adam and Eve sinned, what happened to them? They got expelled. They could no longer be in that garden, that paradise with God. He couldn't tolerate sin right he had to provide a way to bring man back into fellowship with him and that was through his son right remember the great verse he bruised your heel but he will bruise your head or he will I think I got that wrong he bruised your heel but he will uh, stomp on his head something like that I can't remember the verse I'm about. but anyways he's talking about the the, the, the serpent Satan, who caused Eve to sin, who deceived Eve, and Eve, well, really Adam, because Adam was responsible. But then Christ came into the world and destroyed evil, destroyed death, right? That was what was predetermined before the foundation of the world. Yes, Mr. Iverson? Absolutely. Absolutely. How else are they going to know about Christ without that right there, right? Absolutely. Yes, that's a great point. Part of that acceptance of what he's done for us is going to work and serving in the kingdom, teaching, proclaiming the gospel, being examples, walking in the light. We're not perfect, but we're trying to do Christ's will, trying to do his works in him. Remember that. If you ever get in a discussion with someone about it, Describe that. Say, look back at Ephesians 1 and say, he keeps talking about being in him. That's where the blessings are. That's what's been determined ahead of time. That's what was chosen by God according to his pleasure. All right, time is up.